Hey, what a gift it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning, hey? Amen? Yeah, especially in a house where He can do whatever He wants to. Amen? He can do whatever He wants to, however He wants to. And as a pastor here, I have no agenda. I'm going to tell you that right now. I have no agenda. Like, if, if God wanted to move, I'll sit down. I'll enjoy Him moving. Amen? He's the head. He's the head. I follow Him. I don't follow anyone else but Him. So, Lord, you do whatever you want to. We want to see you move in a mighty way, even this morning, Lord. We're not going to get in the way. We only want to follow your way. And we thank you and we praise you this morning. And I ask we may know your presence even here today, this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. I like that. Where his presence is, there's healing. Amen? There is. Hallelujah. You know what is happening in, uh, in Asbury University? You can't but, but feel, in the U.S., you can't but feeling a little bit... Uh, like, you know, Lord, why not here? <laughs> right? Why not here, Lord? And that's natural. And we should be praying that this move of God does spread. Amen? It needs to spread. Because the Lord, the world absolutely, 100% needs it right now. It really does. The, 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 the world needs a mighty move of God right now, especially. Really, really needs it. And uh, revival, though, you know, the bigger picture is this, that revival is not necessarily tied to geographic location. I know that, that that's how it always seems to happen, that's tied to a geographic location. And I know God moves the way that he wants to. I'm not speaking that I know how God works, because I don't always, it's still a mystery to me, and I still want to find out what that mystery is. That's the hunger that's in me. I want to figure that out. Uh, but I think that the only thing that ties to location is that there are a lot of people there that have a heart to see what God wants to do. Right? No other agenda than that. He want, they want to see what God do what he wants to do. And they're determined to remain there to watch him move how he wants to. Not how anyone else is going to tell him how to move, how he wants to move. And they're open to that. And that's a beautiful place to be. So, Lord, we just pray a blessing over that universe even today, Lord. We just pray right now, Lord, that at that gathering, Lord, let it explode. Let it shake the world. And we declare blessing over the leaders there as well, too, that they would receive continued wisdom, Lord. Continued wisdom on how they, you know, how they should actually manage, not manage the Holy Spirit, but how to manage the, any kind of distraction that might try to come in and ruin it. Uh, so, Lord, we just pray right now that your glory will just remain there and it'll just rest on that place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Whew. We're also not jealous, though, because revival is also part of our inheritance, too, isn't it? It's a part of our inheritance. It's a part of our birthright. That means we don't have to put any kind of strategy in place. It just means we have to have our hearts ready to receive. That's the best thing about it. You know, and not take his presence for granted, though, either. That's one thing that we, we tend to do as Christians, and especially uh, where we are, where we are open to the Holy Spirit. We sometimes take his presence for granted. And uh, we should never take lightly what the Lord has for us. Amen? Never take, for, take it lightly. And you should never take lightly what the Lord has for you either right? What the Lord has for you in this age of the Holy Spirit, God tells us that He will dwell in us and be with us at sometimes? No, at all times. He'll be with us at all times. God promises to give us the desires of our heart and to supply all of our needs. Not just some of them, all of them, by the way. What, what needs do you have? To, I'm, all of us have some needs today, don't we? There's something that we all need right now but it says in the Bible that God will supply all our needs. According to his riches in, yeah, all of our needs. He has given us a lot of promises that we can lean on. Chief among them are what? Forgiveness of sin, 
If you lean on that promise, the promise of eternal life, hallelujah, this isn't all that there is, amen, and the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all promises that we can lean into as Christians, and uh, we should not let these promises be trivial, amen? We, in fact, have a responsibility and have to have an awareness of how we treat the promises of the Lord. They're precious, they're valuable. And they're for all of us. These promises are not just for a select few. They're for all of us. Amen? Yeah, this, this past week, uh, my kids were uh, going to school. They had some kind of bake sale or something. I don't know. There's always something you have to give your kids money to to go to school, it seems. And uh, so I gave all my kids, all four of my kids go to the same school now. So it's, it's nice. You drop them off and take a sigh of relief and just feel the presence of God when they're out. <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, I gave them all $5, all a crisp $5 bill, each one of them. And uh, th- this is going to sound like I'm setting up, uh, it's almost like the, this, the, the parable of the talents in real life. Uh, but uh, it was, it's funny. They all treated that $5 bill differently. So my youngest, Elise, she went and she bought something, uh, something trivial. I don't know what it was that she bought, but she bought it and she had change. She bought something small and she had change. And who knows where that change went? It's gone. It's, it's out there somewhere. God bless whoever finds it. The second, second child, uh, Serena, uh, this is a beautiful thing. She, she went, she bought something for herself, and then she saw that two of her friends weren't, weren't missing. They didn't have any money with them, so she gave her money to them so that they could buy something as well. That was really sweet. Uh, Karis didn't find anything that she wanted at all, so she wanted to keep the $5 bill, so she kept it in her bag, nice and crisp. It was there in the, in the pocket, perfect, like it was there perfectly. Sophia also did not find anything that she wanted either, but she's like, I, I don't know what I did with the $5 bill, Dad. I'm sorry. It's gone. And then I come back. I come back later. She comes back to me. Like, after she'd gone to bed, she runs in, you know, 10 minutes after she'd gone to bed. She's like, Daddy, I, I need to ask you something important. Does, does money get wrecked if it goes through the washing machine? No, nope, not anymore, Hetty. It's, it's polymer. It's fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I went out of the washing machine, and there it was in her, in her pants. She had left it in her pants, which had gone through the wash. They all treated something of value in very different ways. And so do we sometimes, don't we? We all have uh, something in value as well. We have a promise that the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. How do we treat that? How are we going to treat that birthright? How are we going to do that? Well, that's what I want to preach about this morning. Amen? So the story I want to preach about, uh, it's a story, uh, uh, it's a story among the siblings of my, that, that what I just talked to you about, there, there's four siblings in my family, but it reminds me of the story of uh, Jacob and Esau. Everyone knows that story, right? Classic Bible, Bible story that, that we have. And uh, the story of Jacob and Esau I find very interesting because you have a dynamic of a, a younger brother and an older brother. And I come to it from a unique perspective because I have both an older brother and a younger brother who's sitting right there as well, too. So I kind of can see it from a couple of different perspectives, and it's very interesting. And I find myself not knowing which brother to root for (laughs) in this part of Genesis. Uh, So that aside, I think there's a lot that we can apply to ourselves in today's context. So we're reading from Genesis 25 and 29 through 34. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Strange flex, but there we go. (laughs) Sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the the birthright to me? 
But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Very interesting story. Worst trade ever, by the way. Worst trade ever. How come God, there's a lot of people that when they read this story, they reference also what it says in Malachi that God loved Jacob and hated Esau. That's a, that's a rough statement to read, isn't it? It's like, wait, why? why? Esau, got, got, he got tricked in this, in this scenario. Why, why did God hate Esau? And a lot of people say, well, why, you know, why is that? I don't understand how God could have hated Esau. I actually think a better question is this. How can God love Jacob? Jacob's the one that tricked Esau, right? So to give this some context, Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, right? And these twins only came along after 20 years of peaceful marriage, by the way, right? 20 years of marriage. They had no children for 20 years. So Isaac and Rebekah had a problem because, the, you know, how could... So Isaac's father was Abraham, and the promise was made to Abraham that the nations would come from his lineage, right? So then how could... How could Isaac, you know, bear the, have, carry that promise with him if he hadn't had children in 20 years? That was an issue. And, uh, but Isaac knew better. Isaac knew that miracles happened through God. He knew the power of God because he was a miracle in himself to be born, right? So after years had passed and Isaac and Rebekah still did not have what they wanted most, a child, uh, it was only natural that Isaac would plead with God to fill that emptiness in their lives. And the Lord heard and answered. Why? Because the Lord always fulfills His promises. The Lord always fulfills His promises. Say it out loud with me. The Lord always fulfills His promises. I feel like there's some people here that are holding on to a promise that they haven't seen happen yet. But guess what? The Lord always fulfills His promises. Speak that over yourself this morning. It's never too late. Never too late. The Lord always fulfills His promises. And guess what? Sometimes He does it in unexpected ways as well, too. Very unexpected ways. Ways that you never thought would happen. So anyways, the pregnancy with these boys was not easy either, right? They were battling each other in the womb already. They are already fighting in the, in, the, in, in the womb already. And Rebecca was worried about this as she took her concerns to God. And God said something very specific to her. Don't you love that? Rebecca obviously had a very strong relationship with God, too, that she heard from the Lord right away when she brought her petitions to him. But God said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Don't get any ideas, Evan. <laughs> he was clapping over there at that verse. A double portion. Rebecca was about to give birth to twins, and judging from her discomfort, a rival who was already starting in her womb before they were even born. And what happened when they were born? It says that Jacob was hanging on to the heel of Esau as he came out. He was born first, and Jacob was holding on to the heel as if he's trying to get out there first. Right? So why, why would he do that? Well, as the firstborn son, Esau received what is called a birthright. Okay? He had the right to a double portion of his father Isaac's estate when he died. And Esau would someday become the head of the clan, making all the important decisions and managing family affairs. This meant more wealth for him and more respect, more authority, more responsibility than his brother Jacob would have. 
And guess what? His birthright would then be passed on to Esau's firstborn as well too, right? So when Esau died, all that would go, all that authority, all that responsibility would go down his lineage, right? So it was something of great value and not to be treated lightly. It was also something that could easily spark the fires of envy from a younger sibling. We see that actually today, right now. There's the best-selling book on the market is about this exact thing. Just look at Prince Harry, who has called himself the spare, as well, by the way. He's called himself the spare. It's a real-life example, very similar to this. To see another, it's, it's a real-life example of what's going on. So the position of firstborn and the birthright was something to be highly valued. So why did Esau give it up for a bowl of soup, for goodness sake? Isn't that crazy? Because right after eating the soup, Esau left with his belly full, his thirst quenched, and his birthright absolutely gone. Gone. For what? For the soup of the day. He had given up his his firstborn rights of inheritance. But what really happened at this point was that the Lord's words to Rebekah actually were now coming to reality. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. The power that comes from birthright is actually well documented in the Bible too. In passages like in Deuteronomy 21 and 1 Chronicles 5, it tells us that the birthright involved a material and a spiritual dynamic to it as well. So as I said, from the material point of view, the son who received the birthright received a double portion of the inheritance. But spiritually, he also became the head of the family and the spiritual leader when the father had died. But this was a special family as well, too, on top of it all, wasn't it? Because his family descended from Abraham. So the birthright determined who would inherit the covenant that God gave Abraham. The covenant of a land, the covenant of a nation, the covenant of uh, a nation, uh, and the covenant of uh, the lineage of Jesus as well, too. That was all part of it. It was all part of it. So it's curious how Esau said, I'm about to die. I always thought, that's a very dramatic thing to say, isn't it? When Esau came in and said, give me that soup, I'm about to die. That's a very dramatic thing to say, isn't it? I thought that this guy was supposed to be a, a, a tough guy. But uh, the reality is that Esau was saying that he was so hungry that he would die without food. Instead, the idea was, well, I'm actually going to die one day anyway, so what good is a birthright to me? He was treating it lightly. He was treating it without regard. Esau did not care about his birthright. Esau cared about the here and the now. And the scripture says he despised his birthright. What difference does eternity make when I am hungry right now? Right? I don't know about you, but I always had trouble with this story because Jacob schemed his way through this one. But the more I study this, the more I realize that they're actually both wrong in this situation. Both of them. Both brothers were wrong. Jacob was guilty of scheming in the flesh to gain something that God said was already his. God had already said it was his. And Esau chose what his flesh wanted instead of what was right by his inheritance. Here's what it comes down to. This is, this is actually not a valid transaction whatsoever. Jacob tried to purchase what was already his. And Esau tried to sell something that didn't belong to him anyways. It wasn't a valid transaction. Esau thought so little of the spiritual heritage connected to the birthright, he valued only material things. So a spiritual birthright meant nothing to him. Until, you know, he did nothing to his, his, his stomach grumbling was more important than an eternal birthright. Lord of mercy. How many of us, you know, and let's be honest, people, let, let's be honest, let's actually even be more honest. How many of us place little value on spiritual things when it's the inheritance that God has given us? 
We are spiritual heirs with Christ. But just like Esau, there might be something getting more of our attention. What's getting your attention right now, even as we speak? Oh, I love church, but I'm glad to finish this at 12 o'clock because it means that I can go down to Red Lobster and get a really divine seafood chowder. Right? What gets our attention? Let me tell you, whatever it is, it's a bad trade. It's a bad trade. Here's something that I've realized. Most people actually prefer illusion than reality. Right? That's why so many people are addicted to social media right now as well, too, because of the illusion of it. Right? It's the illusion of a good life. The illusion of a good life is more appealing than the reality of sacrificing and receiving a good life in Christ. Most people will choose the temporary over eternity. Most people will choose the pleasures of sin for a time rather than the joys of God forever. People would rather scroll endlessly. They would rather consume empty media than consume the Word of God. Right? Most people would rather commit to the the busyness and stress of life than to commit their lives to Christ. There's a lot of things that people will trade their inheritance for. A lot. I know I'm in trouble, you know, let's think of something really benign. I know I'm in trouble when, when you know, I, I remove, I, I spend so much time removing the snow from my driveway, and I spend so little time removing the thing that actually separates me from God, right? You could, you could trade it for something so ridiculous because you're too busy or because you have something else on your mind or something else is getting more of your attention. What do I hold value in? The biggest challenge I face today as a man who has known the Lord my entire life is this. Am I despising my birthright for the temporary things of this world? I have to actually have to ask that question every single day. You have to ask that question every day. Do you want to know why? Because I do not like bad trades. Because it will always be a bad trade. Always. Ephesians shows us actually a treasure trove of riches that are ours by birthright in Christ. What are they? I've got them here for you. Every spiritual blessing, the blessing of being chosen in Jesus, adoption into God's family, complete acceptance by God in Jesus, redemption from our slavery to sin, true and total forgiveness, the riches of God's grace, the revelation and knowledge of the mystery of God's will, an eternal inheritance, and the guarantee of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what treasures, what inheritances that we have. These are all amazing things. Far too many of us. We neglect or trade away this birthright for cheap entertainment, for momentary popularity, or for passing pleasures. Just a bowl of soup. All temporary. It may fill us up, but the hunger comes back the very next day. The very next day. It's a chasing after the wind. It's all meaningless. All of it. It does not sustain us. Esau traded the Lord for something, the Lord, which was something sacred. For something to put into his stomach. That's how important the greater blessing was to him. We as Christians, as believers, have to be aware of how we treat the Lord's promises as well, too. You know, there's nothing worse than someone who is really bad at receiving gifts and shows no appreciation. Have you, <laughs> have you experienced that? Have you ever thought so much about a gift to give to somebody, and they, they just, they just, they're just a bad receiver, they don't receive it very well? Has that ever happened to you? That's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Because you put thought into it. Nothing really bad than than someone who shows no appreciation. God promises to give us the desires of our heart and to supply all of our needs. 
and God promises every spiritual blessing that is worth our, and that is absolutely worth our continual appreciation. It's worth our continual attention. It's worth our continual praise. It's worth our continual sanctification. Amen? His promises are worth going after. They are. I want the eternal and not the temporary. How about you? I want the eternal. You guys are awfully quiet this morning. Awfully quiet. So if humanity has a lot in common with Esau, what hope do we have? Well, this story actually resonates very much with another account found in Matthew 4, the account of Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Remember that one? So Jesus, having just fasted for 40 days, he must have been a lot more hungry and a lot more tired than Esau was. 40 days, right? Much more hungry. And the devil saw that opportunity, and he threw his first temptation of Christ by suggesting he perform a miracle of turning, turning stone into bread. And what did Jesus say in return? Man shall not live by bread alone. Quoting Scripture right back, and that's the best thing you can do when you're ever tempted by the devil, right? You don't have to use your own words. You can just quote Scripture right back at him, and I'll shut him up. Satan, however, he took the stakes to the next level and offered glory and wealth. He got Jesus to stand at the top of the hill, and he said, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Satan offered first food, but he also offered fame, power, glory, and wealth, which are a lot more tempting than a simple bowl of soup. Amen? They are, they are. But, you know, would his firstborn son fall into denying his future inheritance for the riches of the right now? No, he would not. He did not. He replied, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, quoting scripture back at him. Hallelujah. Jesus was not a sellout at all. He was not a sellout. Christ held his ground and refused to bow down to the God of this world. And we can too. He treasured his inheritance enough to reject every offer that was presented to him. Even with the knowledge, Jesus already knew the knowledge that he was going to have to suffer so much, even the cross, to come into the inheritance that was his. Right? What were Jesus' options? Well, A, he could have sold his birthright for a temporary kingdom. Because all the things that Satan was offering him, they were all temporary as well too. They were all fleeting, right? All fleeting. Or B, he could suffer and sacrifice for a debt that wasn't even his. So we could all experience eternal glory, all of us. Christ couldn't be bought. He didn't have a price tag. So I guess the question is this. Can we be bought? Can we be bought? Is there anything that is more important to us than his glory, than the inheritance that he's given us? The world offers us all kinds of tempting things. We can have all we ever wanted, it seems, doesn't it, today? It's all just a click away. <laughs> Anything we need, we just have to click a button, one-click purchase, and it arrives on our doorstep a day later. Right? We have, we have everything, it seems. But you know that there's still an element there of us selling out because we're not seeking Him first. Is it really important to do right all the time? Is being the rules really all that wrong? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being sold to. Are you? Do you know what I mean by that? I was taught in my career, my past career, that every good sale starts with a no, right? Good advice, but the problem is that that is true unless you're the one that's being sold to. Then it's just annoying, right? If you have a salesperson always biting on your calling you continually, 
then that's annoying, right? What I know is this. I have been bought with a price. I have been bought with a price, and I choose to say, sorry, the store of my soul is closed. Amen? We are all sold out to Christ, and there's no returns accepted. Are you with me on that? Amen. We have to keep in mind that nothing the world can offer us is going to last. Nothing will last. Money, fame, fortune, all they all come and go. I watch all these celebrities, everything, talking on, on TV. You know, they're at the top of their game right now, but it only takes one bad movie for them to drop to the bottom. One accusation, one whatever, and they're gone. They're canceled. <laughs> it doesn't last. Nothing lasts. Amen. There's no guarantee of continued success or even, or even continued happiness. Everything just can crash so quickly, can't it? And if we choose that route, if we give up on our values for all that glitters and shines, it will all be over very quickly as well, too. You know, we face the same choice that Esau and Christ faced. What is our price tag? What is our price tag? What is impressive enough that we would give up our future inheritance to possess it? Will we choose temporary loss for eternal gain? Or will we sell our soul for a bowl of soup? It's the choice that has to be. It sounds so ridiculous, but it is so true. We have to be laser-focused on what God has for us and, and value the inheritance that he has given us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to call the worship team up. You know, I'm looking at this, uh, this university in the U.S. right now, too, and uh, it, they are continually turning down people from coming to actually even report on the move of God. They don't want any film crews there. They don't want this to be any type of fame or any kind of notoriety assigned to them. They know it's a move of God. They are valuing. They, 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 they hold so much value in his presence that they're doing everything to stop it from being squashed. That's the heart that we need to have as well, too. We prevent things from coming into trying to take away our inheritance. We stop it right at the door. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. You just want to close your eyes and pray with me. Just pray in agreement with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us such a, a wonderful inheritance. We have such an incredible birthright with you. And Lord, we do not want to take it lightly. We do not want to not place any value towards it. Lord, we know how precious it is. And Lord, we want to, we want to see you move in our lives, Lord. We want, to, we want that presence to be, we want that inheritance to come to pass, Lord. We, we want to go after you with all that we are. And we just pray right now, Lord, that when the enemy comes to try and tempt us, to try and uh, take away that birthright, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you'll give us the confidence, you'll give us the peace to keep our eyes fixed on you and not sell what we have for something trivial. Lord, we're so aware right now that you want to move in your people, that, that, that there's a desperation in people right now, Lord, to, to have more of you. And Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that uh, your spirit will just move through this country as well too, that it'll just move through this land. We want to see your glory move. We want to see your presence, Lord. Lord, let it start with us. 
Let it start with us, Lord. Let us see your power move through us and in us. And Lord, we just ask right now, Lord, that you let a peace reign on this building, Lord, that your presence will feel welcome here, Lord, that our hearts will be open to receive from you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Let's just worship him this morning. Let's give God room to do what he wants to do and just move in us. Amen.